0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Latina Without Borders. So, 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 so happy to
1: have all of you back and happy hump day. Yes, we're so excited at this moment when you're listening We'll actually be um, outside of New York in Miami. Um, and our guest today is actually based out of Miami. So you're going to be hearing from her as well. But yeah, let's just do a little bit of catch up. I feel like so much has happened since we last spoken in like the Latin industry. The Oscars happened. Daddy Yankee came out with a new album, which I've been listening to. Eliza, I don't know. if You are you always rep how you love old school reggaeton. so Yeah. Wear-
0: no yeah, time. I listen, I'm all about old school reggaeton, like I'll be 100% honest. So like, I haven't listened to his new album, but just because I've, it's been like a very like work heavy week, but like, that's on my to do list this weekend. And I'm gonna vibe to it. I'm excited. I feel like Daddy Yankee. Um, In order for Bad Bunny to be where he's at, Daddy Yankee had to be a thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's just my maybe that's my that's my
1: opinion maybe I'm biased but um I don't think think... so I mean he's pretty like I feel like people call him the king of reggaeton
0: and I feel like
1: a lot of people respect that and um yeah it's like pretty known that he is it reminds me of actually I was listening to a podcast that talks about the history of reggaeton I think I sent it to Eliza a long time ago I don't know if you had time to listen to it but it's called loud podcast on spotify and if you are interested in the history of reggaeton and like why danny yankee and other players were such like a you know the beginners and history makers to get where we are now with bad bunny it's a really good podcast and it's in spanglish so you don't have to like necessarily know spanish to understand it
0: yeah, I love that. You know, reggaeton mm-hmm. today is dope. I I love how it's so mainstream. Like I remember as a kid, it wasn't as mainstream. And like you would mentioned, like the songs you were listening to, and everyone's like, oh, like who are those artists? Mm-hmm. Like especially like you know, like Daddy Yankee, clearly like huge global icon. But then you have like Don Omar and like other ones. So yeah, it's just like really cool to see how much reggaeton has like I don't know, blown up. <laughs> like oh yeah, tremendously. I
1: remember like, being in middle school, high school, and 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 music. Like, growing up, um, this is, like, not to get too deep, but, like, growing up, I, like, would refuse to speak Spanish at home, and it was just, like, this whole thing. I'm, like, I want to, like, you know, be Americanized, but the only thing that always stuck with me was music. I always was listening to my Spanish music. I mean... Um, reggaeton or whatever it was at the time I had like albums with Shakira like I'm sure a lot of people had like Backstreet Boys my mom was giving me JLo and Shakira albums to listen to you know so it's one thing that I've always stuck through throughout my childhood until now that's always connected me back to being Latina and culture and it's really nice to see other people being able to experience that as well because I always think music is very universal it's a universal language I when I was in Europe, I mean, people are listening to it. there. there, you know, and they don't know what the lyrics are saying. It's just a vibe. You know, 100%. Aesthetic. And
0: And I love that. And I think you made a good point. Like music is universal. Like even me, like sometimes I find myself in the Spotify mix and I'm listening to music from God knows where not knowing like one word, but it's just like the vibe and the energy of it. And I'm like, oh, this is good. I mean, this is all in Korean, but like, (laughs) yeah. Or French sometimes get stuck on like French songs. I'm like, I don't even know what's saying, but I love it. But you know, it's definitely like it's a vibe and it's something that you can just like bop to. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's amazing about music. What's Another thing like? was the
1: Oscars. The Oscars yes, I was just happened. about to
0: say that. Yes, yeah, so um,
1: <clears throat> I mm-hmm. didn't watch it because we don't have yeah, cable. Okay. We both didn't <laughs> watch it.
0: Yeah, um, my father called me right away, like when this was like happening. But once again, you know, cable this, maybe that's like the millennials slash Gen Z in us. Like we just don't pay for cable. <laughs> but yeah, so the first, woman wait the first openly queer queer woman of color won an oscar
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and she identifies herself as afro-latina which is amazing
1: yes yeah no i saw that and i actually saw the her speech the day after because yeah i don't have cable so i was trying to keep up on instagram and the day after you know all her her speech was coming out and i watched it And I teared up (laughs) watching her accept her speech. It was really nice. I got chills, teared up. I mean, it was just really special to see that. Um, And she is a Latina that doesn't speak Spanish, you know, but she's very close to her identity as well. And it just like represents so many, it represents so many people. And it was really nice to see that on stage.
0: Yeah I was just like I just couldn't like the fact that she like referenced Afro-Latina like I literally like my heart stopped because I feel like for so long that wasn't a phrase that was often used or identity um, that people mm-hmm. would talk about so just the fact that it was mentioned in, in such a mainstream place such as the Oscar for me I felt like it was like a life like That's you know true. like one I of those moments like-
1: where you're like wow <laughs> Like, yeah, because I think back. I'm such in this world where it's like Afro Latina I hear all over, and then I forget that there's people you know outside of our community that don't hear that a lot. So they're like, "Wait, Afro Latina? I haven't heard of that." Or they don't really like you know they're not in the know of these terms and how people are identifying. So you're right; it is a mainstream um, area, and worldwide, people are watching the Oscars. So definitely yeah. really special moment
0: and you know what is also something to like highlight she also, she's also like of mixed race too you know and I love that just like um she did she did mention like if you hear interviews of her and stuff like that she does mention how her mother is white and you know her father is um Puerto Rican um and identifies as black and that too I feel like is so special just like the more diversity the more people we see in media and movies and shows and all of that I think is just like really eye-opening to like all the diversity that's out there we just needed more on our screens
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah we're making slow movements but it's nice to see some type yeah of progression. and we also
0: mentioned that and we actually wow we actually talk about that a lot in our in this episode with our guests yes yeah yeah
1: yeah no gabby um when you guys will listen at the end of the podcast she talks about identity her growing up identifying as a latina who doesn't speak spanish until this day um is trying to learn spanish let's get into our buena vibras why don't we um eliza i always go first so i'm gonna throw it to you honestly like this has been like
0: such a like a hectic week like just you know in terms of like work but like not only work like trying to um get everything together for a vacation i feel like oftentimes um and i don't know about like everyone else but you're very excited about like taking time off, but then you're like, okay, I want to make sure everything is perfect. So like, there's no hesitation, everything is set up and like, you can actually relax. So there's been a lot of that this week. Um, but I will say the highlight is honestly going into the office and like getting to know more of my coworkers. I think like, while work has been hectic, it's been hectic in a great way. Um, I think I personally love being busy. I think it's great um, when you have a lot of things to do and a lot of just, um, you know, constantly moving, but it's so awesome. Like, not only do, do I really love my company, but like working with like amazing people, I think that can like make all the difference, like having great coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like something like would definitely like the highlight of just like getting to know them more. Um and, and also like back in, in person, you get to do like after work happy hours and you get to chit-chat and grab a coffee during the day. And these are things that like I've personally missed a lot within the last two years
1: hmm yeah now the weather is getting warmer so hopefully any of those like rooftop happy hour moments I know exactly I used to always do those before COVID
0: yeah and that's kind of like the reason like listen I grew up in New York but I know a lot of folks come to New York for that kind of stuff right like The working in the city, getting happy hours, getting drinks after, or even like a workout class or whatever is like your thing. Um, But just like being in the city more um, and getting to like interact with like fellow New Yorkers, I think it's like awesome. So it's definitely like my highlight for the week.
1: With me... I feel like I'm, I, I'm going back to like the first episode back to like fitness, but my highlight of the week has been something that Eliza actually has recommended, which is the Peloton app. I've been doing the cycling classes. Um, so it's been nice. I always, I guess you guys hear me throughout, you know, I started off with Pilates and doing solid core that membership ended. So now I'm like, okay, what should I do? Now I'm trying cycling. This is like on top of like regularly going to the gym. I just like these type of classes. So Peloton actually has um, this year um, launched. She, I believe she's like one of the first Latina or like Spanish only Peloton classes for cycling. No, that's Robin. Robin, you
0: can't forget my, Robin's the first. Oh, okay.
1: So she's the second. Yes. But Robin's my girl. I don't know Robin, so I need to figure out Robin right now. I'm taking Camila and she has a Carol. Yeah. She has a Carol G ride, which you told me about. So I tried it and I love it. It's nice. I mean, I also did Cody. He's a very big Peloton guy, you know, that I see across social media. So I just been doing cycling. It's nice. I feel like it's so underrated. It's a cardio obviously. So then I try to mix it up with some type of like core workout and I've been, jo- I've been enjoying it. It's nice waking up. And, and again, I start my mornings really early. So it's kind of like something I've been incorporating into my routine this week and has been keeping me energized.
0: I love that for you, Chris. I also want to mention that like Psychobar right now is giving out um, a week free in the Williamsburg location. Um, so if you're into cycling and maybe you want to like add a class to it, I'll send it to you. Oh, is it only Williamsburg? And no, they're doing it in, like six New York, like six New York City, like locations. Um, okay.
1: but nice. yeah, I'll unlimited? definitely send it
0: over unlimited for a week. Um, Wait,
1: if, I need to do that.
0: <laughs> if we post this, uh,
1: <laughs> if we post if it's this, still like, yeah,
0: if it's still available, I'll definitely share it. Um, but even if you don't, like I personally go to Cycle Bar and I'm obsessed with it. Um, I love the competitive nature of it, of the fact that you get to see like, how you're performing against like your peers on the bike and it just drives me to go faster like there's been times I'm at the like literally the bottom but I'm like you know what I want to be on the top right so um it definitely gives me that sense of motivation so yeah I'll send it over to you Chris and like honestly if you guys like cycling, cycle bar is great.
1: Yeah, you can also book it through ClassPass if you do have a ClassPass membership, but that one week unlimited sounds like a great deal, so we definitely take advantage of that. All right, I think that is everything for our intro. Like we said, um, Gabby is going to be our guest for today, so you're going to hear her um, next, and she is a TV host. She kind of gives us our journey of how she got to where she is today in the industry and she also gives us her perspective of what it's like being a Latina who doesn't necessarily speak Spanish but is interested in working at a Spanish or Hispanic uh, network like Telemundo. So you're going to hear from her and like we said we got into the topic of identity and I think it was a really good episode Um, and yeah we're excited for you guys to listen to her. Enjoy! Mm -hmm. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Thank you for coming to Latino Without Borders. Thank
2: you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: I think first we just want to get down to the basics. Like tell us about you. Where did you grow up? What did you study in school? And yeah, what did you maybe want to be when you were younger? Oh, so many things, (laughs) starting
2: with figure skater to astronaut to artist. But I eventually settled on studying journalism at USC as an adult. But I I grew up in the San Fernando Valley in California. So I was born and raised in a really small, very boring suburb uh, called Lakeview Terrace. Uh, The coolest thing to do was steal money from my parents' coin jar and run over to the 7-Eleven to buy candy. So yeah, it was LA, but it was like a tiny little suburb outside of LA, Uh, but I was born and raised in California my whole life. And eventually uh, went to USC, studied journalism and international relations and i think i think it was really in high school where i found my passion for journalistic storytelling because i always wanted to pursue the arts i was like theater club president i was in all the plays i did all the talent shows i always wanted to be a performer an artist of some kind and then uh, i think i think Cooler heads prevailed when I decided to pursue something more academic, and that was probably the influence of my my parents, including one of whom is an immigrant parent. My dad is a a Chicano from El Paso, Texas, so he may as well be an immigrant as well. (laughs) He's a farm boy from Texas. So I, I, I decided not to go the film or the theater route, I decided to go the journalism route, and I'm really glad I did. But I think when I started to study international relations, those are the classes that I really kind of like lit my soul on fire because I realized that it was really about, like there was something about current events and um, social and political issues that just really got me excited because it was like learning history and then applying it and using it in a way to make kind of make change in the world. So between journalism and IR, international relations, um, I think that that was a really great foundation for what I'm doing now.
1: When you finished school, you had your journalism degree. What was the first job you went into? Did you go right into that connection of like politics and journalism? Well, actually, yes. My first job out
2: of college required me to move to Canton, Ohio, where I worked on uh, Obama's first presidential campaign, managing a grassroots campaign office out there in the middle of nowhere. It was major culture shock. And I have I had traveled internationally. And Canton, Ohio was definitely a lot of culture shock for this little LA girl. So I actually worked for an advocacy group called Progressive Future, which was independent of the Obama campaign. So I actually wasn't working directly for his campaign, but on behalf of so it was a paid job. And we essentially went out and registered voters, uh, disseminated voter information. And yeah, it was a, a massive grassroots effort that took place throughout the country in all of the major swing states. And so I got assigned to Ohio, which is, was really, really critical in that election
0: Interesting because you said Ohio, and like right away, I'm like, Ohio, like, what is Gabby doing in Ohio? Like, what's going on there? And then you said Obama, and I was like, Okay, we love Obama, great. Um, that's awesome. But, um, I think my question is something that you mentioned earlier. Um, so your father, right? So he's from El Paso. I, I felt like a connection because you're like, you know, Massville well have been an immigrant, like, I feel the same way. So, my mother's from the Bronx, right? And she's Puerto Rican, and I feel like it's just like that certain culture and the identity when you know you have a parent that grew up you know not maybe not necessarily in the country that their parent grew up in or where they came from but in a community that is so still indefinitely like based off of that culture so i wanted to talk a bit about that Um, are you first second generation um, and how do you think that's experience um just yeah your identity well i'm both my mom is
2: born and raised in sinaloa mexico and my dad is born and raised in el paso and honestly he's one of those you know he's a border town Mexican his family's been there for generations so is he from is his family from the United States are they from Mexico uh both but so that's always why his background is kind of interesting I think when you grow up there and you've had generations of family coming from the southwestern United States that used to be Mexico I mean that immigrant culture is still very much prevalent that immigrant mentality he speaks both languages fluently um, with no accent.
1: And how was it growing up in a household like that, where your dad, I mean, was fluently in English, and then your mom, she was uh, an immigrant. So growing up, you probably had like that mix of American culture, Chicano culture, and then first generation mother.
2: Yeah, it. W- I mean, it was interesting, because it was always important to them that we grew up understanding our culture. Um, that was always a source of pride. But at the same time, I think because my mom had spent many years studying from high school to college and having to, being forced to assimilate into American culture, she was not speaking Spanish in the home regularly. I mean, she would speak it, words and phrases, but she had already had to go through years and years of assimilation. So by the time I came around, her fourth child, she wasn't speaking Spanish to me, um, just, you know, here and there. So, or, you know, when we go visit family in Mexico, obviously she, she would speak there. So I I so wish that like many bicultural kids, I'm sure that I had started speaking Spanish fluently from a younger age, but it wasn't really something that um, was consistent in our household, I'd say.
0: Do you feel like you grew up with kind of like that Spanglish right because I know me I'm also someone who doesn't speak Spanish fluently but there's certain words that I only say in Spanish and phrases and um so yeah so wondering if that was similar for you yes definitely and there were some there were just some things I didn't know how to say in English
1: Yeah, right, when you're trying to translate, and you're like, "Mm, I don't know, actually, what is this word in English?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Totally, and um, like, I didn't learn until years later, or there were certain words that I would just consistently mispronounce, and I'd get made fun of for it at school, and so growing up, I didn't think that, (laughs) growing up, I didn't think that my mom had an accent, apparently she does, Um, (laughs) but in my defense, it's not super thick, but it's clearly there, I just didn't even hear it. So yeah, there was a little bit of Spanglish going on and a little bit of just like, uh, that was just my experience.
0: No, for sure. And, you know, being in Telemundo, I, I know when I think of Telemundo, I kind of think of just honestly speaking, like my grandparents, my great grandparents, my mom, like watching all of these shows in Spanish. And I always thought of it as like a network that, you know, I'm like, can I ever like watch it? Right? I don't necessarily watch Spanish um television, but you broke no. into Telemundo, so like, I'm just fascinated. Like, I want to hear. Yeah, how I did you get into Telemundo? That. Tell us. Yeah, it's
2: really funny. I've I even said prior, I, I never saw myself in a million years working at Telemundo, for you know the reasons that you just mentioned. It was something that my theas would watch, my mom would watch, the older generations, and as someone who wasn't, you know, growing up speaking Spanish fluently, it just, it never seemed like that was even like a consideration. So it was really interesting when this show was brought to my attention that, you know, that they were, they were pursuing doing English language content. Um, I actually, Originally, when the project was brought to my attention, I was auditioning for another English project, English language project that they had launched for Quibi, which no longer exists. So that's actually what I auditioned for. It was like a, a daily news show where they wanted a host. So from that audition, I was called in for this other project, which is Radar. And that's how I learned about it.
1: And for those who don't know, what is Radar?
2: So Radar Now, Radar 2022 is a YouTube series that really focuses on the uh, Gen Y, Gen Z audience of bicultural, bilingual Latinos and their friends. And we do 20 minute episodes where we take one topic and really kind of break it down. And we talk about everything from mental health to financial literacy, to the pandemic, to the presidential election. And it initially started as a result of a Google initiative grant, um, and it was set to launch uh, in the lead up to the last presidential election. But because of the pandemic, there was a a bit of a delay there because I, I moved to Miami for the show in March of 2020, but we didn't actually launch the show until that fall.
1: Why is it so important to Telemundo to fund something like this? So a tagline that
2: we came up with for the show was Not Your Abuela's New Show or Not Your Abuela's Noticiero. And I think that really perfectly encapsulates what Radar is all about. It's about starting uncomfortable conversations that are often taboo in our community and doing so in a conversational, irreverent way. So I personally always like to inject a little humor, especially when we're talking about something serious, but also... And perhaps selfishly, it's really important to me that we talk about, we confront the issues and the conversations that are really difficult to have at home with our parents that are from another generation, um, many of whom are either immigrants or maybe from a more conservative upbringing. So I think it's a great opportunity to start a dialogue and really not be you know, not be afraid to talk about anything from religion to sex to legalizing marijuana. Radar has been a really great platform to do that. And I'm really grateful actually to uh, executives at Telemundo for not curbing our creativity and our ability to explore those topics. Uh, Because even (laughs) we, one of my favorite episodes we did was one on reclaiming ancestral traditions. So it was all about spirituality and religion, and confronting and talking about things like brujería that have deep, such deep roots in our culture, that I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, anything related to bruja, brujería, eran cosas del diablo, like, we couldn't talk about it. Um, they were very much dismissed. And when you look at the history of all of these things, there's a reason for that. There were things that were that stemmed from indigenous traditions, indigenous cultures. And when, when people were colonized and their cultures were erased, a lot of these things were deeply, deeply stigmatized and demonized to the point where we still think of them that way today. And the episode was just a great opportunity to really kind of look at where that comes from and maybe rethink how we feel about our ancestors' traditions and forms of spirituality and practices. Because now you look at, I mean, the health and wellness business or industry is worth billions of dollars. You have, you know, white America selling sage and Palo Santo left and right, but do That's we so really true. understand? <laughs> yeah. Do we understand where these traditions came from? And because we're making a lot of money off of them. Oh. Uh, Right? Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> like Gabby, like honestly, when I was like watching radar, I, I I came across that episode. And the first thing I thought about is I think sometimes we forget about pre-Hispanic, right? Like our like we were colonized, like um, so there were so many traditions and you know, beautiful things and our lane, and you know, we at one point we spoke something else that's what is wasn't Spanish either, you know. Um, so like it's just like very interesting to think about that of like how have these things that were part of our the pre-Hispanic legacy um how it transitions into today's world and you know making sure that we still have ownership and somehow some way try and figure out how to like not allow it to get colonized or us look at it um in such a different way I think yeah I just think it's interesting because like I'm really into the wellness stuff and like yeah like you, you see white people selling stage and it's like wait that was our thing and like we were demonized for it and now like people are cleaning their homes how do you feel like your audience is responding to your work right like Fans of Radar, um, yeah, because it's something new, fresh. I think that it's given people an opportunity to
2: feel seen and relate. Um, obviously, you know, I'm Mexican American, but I can't speak for the vast community that is the Latinx audience. Uh, but one thing I can speak to that I think is a universal part of who our, who our audience is 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 the being in the middle of the being not enough of this and not enough of that. Uh, Telemundo coined this phrase, uh, 200%er, which means 100% Latino and 100% American, I wouldn't necessarily categorize myself that way. Because I feel like because I was born and raised in the United States, I lean more, you know, I grew up in this culture, but there are people that grew up equally in both. And for people like that and for people who are just bicultural like myself, I think radar is a place where people can that people can relate to, just you know, if if for no other reason, just having that shared experience of like kind of living in two worlds, which I consider such an incredible
0: But yeah, I totally agree. Like even me, like I consider myself Afro-Latina and it's like this like weird in between right because you don't necessarily feel like like of course I know my race is black and I'm very proud of that but you don't necessarily feel that but then like you're being told that you're also not Latina enough and then like you don't speak Spanish but then like culturally you're you know just very much in Latino and most Puerto Rican I'm like like if you know me I'm like the most body out there right and like, <laughs> I'm just like but sometimes it feels hard because like and then Christina knows this and I'm pretty sure Gabby you've dealt with this too but like being told like oh you don't look Puerto Rican and I'm like what does that mean like please like I would never say that to someone or feel comfortable to say that and like the fact that like I think we have all had that thrown at us and it's like where does this comfortability comes from that they can just like categorize us in a little box and decide like where we belong.
2: Yeah what I was gonna say what is that like for you because when you're at the cross-section of, like, race, ethnicity, and then multiple cultures, that's such a unique experience in itself, and I'm curious to know
0: how that shows up for you. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm still trying to navigate it, right, because, like, um, and I'll give it, like, a pretty good example, like, I went to, like, I visit Miami, and I love Miami, I feel like, I'm like, this is, like, where I belong, like, I feel it culturally, energy, the same music, I watch the same TV, like, I grew up with novelas, so I, like, I can talk to you all day about that, like, Telemundo was on, like, um, these are the things that, like, I'm well-versed in, especially, like, love, like, you know, I love Latin rock, like, this is very into that, but then, like, you know, I feel like sometimes the color of my skin doesn't necessarily say that. Um, and, you know, that breaks my heart. And it's like, you know, I think as Afro-Latina, like we it's it's a hard because like sometimes it feels like there's not many of us, even though there are like um, I know I learned young on that, like Zoe Sandana, a woman I looked up to my whole life. When I found out that she was Puerto Rican and Dominican, I was like, no way. I was like, this is a person that has been portrayed my entire life on television as an African-American woman. Um, and, she, you know, she's very black. She's black and she loves her, her identity of it. But it was she was, she never played a Latino role. So Incre- because of that, it kind of confused me a I, believe.
2: I kind of also remember when I found out she was Latina because she was never sold that way. But exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is her is it really it's Zoe Saldana,
0: right? Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. Oh my God. Like, you're right. Yeah. And that, they, they kind of like Americanized <laughs> it. No, you're, and yeah. it's like, that's how it, that's how it's portrayed in the media. And like, when you, you know, when you watch television, that's how her name is said. And it's like, um, it just made me realize, I was like, wait, I was being represented all this time. I just didn't know because she played roles. Like, guess who? Like, you know, someone who grew up in the South, like she played all these different and then, you know, later got into like Avengers and, you know, her career has evolved. But in the beginning of it. Um, she never played a Latina. Is Tatiana Ali Afro-Latina? Yes. She's another one that was like under the radar. Yes, exactly. And it's like all these, (laughs) and you're like, wait, I am on TV, like pause, like I am being represented, but like not in the lens that I need to be. Um, And yeah, I think that's always something interesting. And then like, and then also like, you know, you know, I'm also, I, I just fit more into the Latino culture because of just the way I was brought up. So like, then when I try to like, you know, fit into the black and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I never heard of this song. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> like, you know, I'm used to Spanish music. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. that um, So I don't necessarily feel like, you know, I'm hundred percent like a puzzle piece there, but yeah, it's also interesting. And like, I just like, I just hope with like, you know, us um, trying to break into the media that we can continue to like tell these stories and make sure we per- were heard. One of the questions um, we wanted to ask is like, what's the legacy you want to leave? Right. Um, I know, you know, you're early on to your career, so many amazing things coming on. So maybe a loaded question, but yeah, I would love to hear.
2: That's a great question. I think it's really about creating space to represent our community in a way that's never been done before. Like there is so much talent, so much richness and so much beauty in our culture. And there's so much more that I wanna share with people um, in whatever platform I'm able to do that. And not only that, um, I mean, you, you asked about legacy. I think it's about how do we progress Um, how do we stay connected to our roots, but also live in 2022, where, you know, we can, we can confront things like colorism. There's no subject to taboo. We can talk about sex. We can call out some of the hypocrisy of the, the, the culture that we grew up in and correct it and do better for future generations. We don't have to be beholden to the things and the traditions that we grew up with, like there is room to expand, there's room to grow. And I'm just, you know, I think of like people like Samantha B and John Oliver and Hasan Minhaj and these people who who talk a lot about, you know, politics um, and inject humor and in doing so to me, they're, they're some of the most entertaining truth tellers for a lack of a better word. And I really appreciate that space because The great thing about comedy and humor is that you can take any topic and give people a way in because it's so hard to talk about a lot of these things Um, like mental health, for example, and the way that our community has traditionally treated the topic of mental health. We don't talk about it. We sweep things under the rug. I would love to leave a legacy um, of someone who has worked to tear down these barriers and, just frankly decided that we're not going to be silent on these things anymore. We can still be true to our culture and tradition and respectful of the things that make us so rich and diverse and, you know, move forward.
0: Thanks so much for listening to our episode today. Please be sure to rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps us
1: out a lot and lets us know if we're doing a good job. And be sure to follow us on social media. Our handle is at Latina Without Borders. We would love for you guys to message us, comment, let us know if you enjoyed this episode, but also any tips or ideas on who you'd like to hear next. That's it for today. And until next time.